everyone, it's Kaya, and you're listening to Warmly. Warmly brings the heat back to conversations that went cold. We're going to talk about love, loss, people who drive us crazy, the careers we've built, the bridges we've burned, who we want to become, and so much more. Warmly exists to make space for the simple, the side-splitting laughter, the sorrow, the turmoil, and the plateaus in life. At the end of the day, Warmly exists to build a community that embodies vulnerability, wherever you are, whoever you are, and however you got there, reclaiming power in our lives and over hardships we once felt powerless in. it's Kaya. And in case you're new around here, this is Warmly. And I'm your host, Kaya. This bonus episode goes hand in hand with the episode that dropped today with my friend, Kate. Kate and I attended college together at a small private Christian school named Covenant. I've actually talked with several of my Covenant College friends here on Warmly, and usually I incorporate our conversations and memories into the regular episode, but I wanted to separate that because it actually brings up some recent events. We'll go into that in just a little bit, but until then, let's take a trip down memory lane. This segment might be of interest to you if you also went to Covenant or went to any other private Christian college. You may also be super interested in the experiences that we had there just as a bystander. I'm not totally ruling out that possibility. Either way, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, let's go ahead and get started. Okay, <laughs> let's let's do this. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're all about? Sure. Well, yeah, I met you in college. Um, we both were in lots of sociology classes together. Oh, yeah. Love psychology classes together. I live in Chicago, Illinois now. I've kind of hopped all over the country, but this is where I have settled for the last four and a half, five years. And I just recently got married to the love of my life, Carlos. And so... We are just living up here and I'm, I'm going to school. I'm getting another master's degree. Uh, I have my master's in social work and I'm getting my master's in biz- business administration from Booth, which is at the University of Chicago. And um, yeah, and working full time and living through a pandemic. <laughs> so in the last couple of weeks, I've actually interviewed a few other Covenant grads and we've talked a little bit about our experiences. And I'm curious to ask you these next couple questions because I just, I'm curious to ask anyone who went to Covenant these questions really. But the first one is what word would you have used to describe your time in college at the time? Like, what did you feel about your experience while it was happening? And then the second question is, you know, what word or what phrase kind of comes to mind as you describe that time now? We always say like hindsight's twenty twenty. I don't know that that's necessarily the case, but I do think that time often reshapes the way that we think about those experiences. So I'm curious if there's any insight there. I think that during my time at Covenant, I mean, and I don't know how many people went through this, but I, and I don't know if I would have gone through this at another school, but my freshman year or between freshman and sophomore, I had a a hard look at, do I really want to be here? This is a hard place to be. You know, I, I played varsity volleyball. I was very busy. I took 18 credits pretty much every court, like every semester. I was, I was, you know, very busy. I had good friends, but I also had some tough relationships I was dealing with. And so I would say like, it was a journey, uh, my time at Covenant. And I think I walked out of, of Covenant 
grateful. I think that the people that I left covenant loving the most are the ones that are still in my life that stood uh, with me at my wedding that I can call and talk to about anything. So like it was, it was definitely a journey, a hard journey. So I think that that's what I would say about it. And then I think for now I look back on it and there's a lot of things that I don't, I wish covenant had, I think that they work hard to shape one worldview And I wish that they had pushed us to shape our worldviews. I think that they did help shape my worldview a bit. Uh, But I wish that there had been more challenge on and and more open dialogue about what we think and what we believe, because we don't, you don't want to just crank out a whole bunch of people that look the same and think the same, because that doesn't, uh, I don't know, not a world does that make. I think that you want to have a diversity of thought. And and I mean, it's a Christian college. And so there can be some core beliefs that go with everybody. But you know, our politics are how we how we do our economy, uh, how we treat people or how we how we view the people around us, like there needs to be more conversation about that. And I think they're trying to do that now. But that's one thing I think reflecting back on, I wish I'd been to. I definitely feel that because I think when I, there were two sentiments that I had going there. One big caveat I should give though, is that I didn't choose it. It was not my first choice or my second choice. It was really a choice that I made because my parents were like, we don't like your option A or B. And I was like, I guess I have to create an option C, which is this really expensive school that's a thousand miles away from my family. And I don't know anyone that presented itself with a number of different challenges to me personally. But I think I actually went into it thinking two things. One of them was that I kind of felt like an imposter in churches in general. I had a lot of questions, but I don't feel like I was ever given the space to openly ask those questions within my my family or within like my church community growing up. Mm-hmm. I really butted up against a lot of those things and kind of like you're describing happening at Covenant, I kind of felt that there was one worldview that was being fed to me and I was like not welcome to question that worldview. So that was one part of it where I was like, Maybe being here and being a part of this community in a different space will give me the ability to ask those questions. And then I think the second sentiment that I had kind of going into it was maybe I'll actually start internalizing this because I never felt like I internalized it. I constantly feared. I was like, am I a Christian? Do I believe in God? Who is Jesus? Like, I can't even say that I don't ask those questions sometimes today, but I genuinely, I genuinely did have that fear of, am I doing enough? Am I doing the right things? Have I actually adopted this for myself? And hoping that in a way, just being there would like cover over this obvious truth of my own, which felt like a secret, which was that I didn't know if I bought into any of it. And I, so I would definitely agree with you and and resonate with what you shared, which is like, we need a safe place to question and fumble and fail at times. And for that to be okay. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I agree with. I think that my, I do identify as a Christian and my faith grew when I left. When I was, when I honestly, when I moved to Chicago and I was literally away from everything and there was like no safe haven of, I don't know, Covenant or the South where everyone's a Christian or, you know, says they are. But yeah, I think that maybe my experience could have been a little bit different had Covenant been a place where I could have messed up and not felt rejected, but could have messed up and felt loved and felt like you can mess up and we can talk about it. And we want you to figure this out because you're 18 or 19 or 20 years old. And this is your first time out on your own. 
So yeah, I, I, I hope that they continue to, to work on that. I will always have like a soft spot in my heart for covenant, but yeah, I think that there's, there's things I wish I'd been a little bit different. I asked this to the other two people that I interviewed from covenant as well, but if they called you tonight or tomorrow and they were like, Kate, what's one program or like one thing we need to do immediately to really change our impact on the lives of these students? Like, what would you say? What would you recommend? I could say a lot of uh, provocative things, I think. (laughs) I just thought about saying fire so-and-so, but um, (laughs) um, I think that, yeah, I I think that I just want to see more open dialogue, you know, with the the police brutality this uh, this summer. And I don't know if you I think I emailed you about this, but um, signing that that letter to the president who I I love and respect President Halverson and my family has known him for a long time. Yeah, I just I want there to be there should have been immediate response. And I want there to be more discussion about diversity and inclusion and equality and equality amongst men and women and what roles look like. I want there to be discussion about that in the classroom. I want all of the professors, like that's something they're held accountable to is that there's open dialogue about this stuff and that people are allowed to have different opinions and that they're not ostracized for those. I don't, that's not a program, but it's just that like, there should be some standards that, and maybe there are some, I'm, I'm speaking to something that I am far away from now. So I, I don't know how things have completely changed, but in my time there, that wasn't a thing. So I just think that it's it's in the syllabus. It's an expectation that we are going to have open, um, non-judgmental dialogue about things pertaining to this. We can talk about God. We can talk about your questions. I'm not going to judge you. And we're going to talk about it so that you get answers, that you get to think. That's what I think. The next bit of our conversation is all about a letter, a letter that a fellow Covenant grad wrote to the college president addressing the college's silence around the atrocities that took place this summer. And what I mean by atrocities that took place this summer is the violence inflicted on Black people specifically, people who lost their lives like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. The letter we'll reference in our dialogue is one that I received a special blessing from the author to read here with you, and one that I'm sure that many others in the Covenant community may have already seen or heard of. They may even signed this themselves like I did. This letter was written by another Kate, oddly enough. The guest of Warmly Kate spells her name K-A-I-T, and that's the voice that you are hearing in my dialogue today. But the person who penned this letter spells her name K-A-T-E. Without any further commentary, here's what Kate had to say. Dear President Halverson, I'm writing this in response to your letter to the Covenant College community posted recently on the college's website and social media. First of all, thank you for publicly acknowledging our nation's history of racism and the resulting violence against the Black community in straightforward form. We need Christians and positions of influence and leadership to speak out in no uncertain terms against these injustices. I'm glad that beyond this, you have called the covenant community to a time of corporate lament and prayer. Like you, I am praying for eyes to be opened, hearts to be convicted, and wisdom for next steps in enacting lasting change. Specifically, I want to draw attention to the last two points for which you asked us to pray. 
Your words were, quote, open ears, minds, and hearts for us here at Covenant College and for believers everywhere to listen to those who are angry or in pain. Wisdom to know how we might best serve God's reconciling work in this world, in our community here at the college first, and then through the lives of our graduates as they go out into the world, unquote. Beyond this call to prayer, you stated, quote, Praying isn't all we will do, but it is perhaps the best and most important thing we can do right now, unquote. As a Covenant alumni, I care for the community of people who have, are, and will attend the school. I care for the greater communities of Lookout Mountain, Chattanooga, and beyond, where Covenant students settle post-graduation and have the opportunity to live as witnesses for Christ in a world in action. Because of this care, I urge you and Covenant's board of directors in the strongest of terms to take this time to turn a self-examining eye on the demographics of the leadership of this institution. As our Black brothers and sisters have known for all their lives, but as some of us are being awakened to now, we know that racism is not perpetuated simply on an individual level. Through things like stereotyping, microaggressions, or outright hatred and hate crimes. In fact, one of the most permeating and serious forms of oppression is that of institutional racism at colleges and universities. This is often perpetuated by way of disciplinary policies that disproportionately affect people of color by underrepresentation of the voices of people of color in positions of leadership and in preferential treatment being given to white students, whether consciously or unconsciously. Unfortunately, I believe that Covenant College has been complacent in eradicating these forms of racism in this institution. Please allow me to explain why. My husband and I met at Covenant when I was a sophomore and he was a senior in 2010. He is black, I am white. While we shared many things like friends and professors and both received our degrees from Covenant, we had two completely different lived experiences during our time at school. A few things that my husband had to witness and personally endure during that time at Covenant. One, wearing sweatpants and a hoodie to class, which my white friends and I did frequently. This earned him the rebuke of, so it's back to the hood day from a professor. Two, during his work study in the alumni office, he was questioned by a staff member as to the origin of his Scottish last name. He was made to endure laughter over the fact that no, his family was not Scottish, but had instead received the name from a previous slaveholder. Three, his black friends being called a blatant racial slur by a white student. Four, a black teammate being mistaken for another black student and being falsely accused of breaking contract by consuming alcohol. This is a small sampling of the microaggressions and blatant racist behavior my husband and his black friends dealt with during their time at Covenant College. There are countless stories, many of which I don't even know, where both ignorance and purposeful, racially motivated aggression were displayed. These are forms of violence against black bodies. As a school that claims, quote, in all things Christ preeminent, there is no excuse for allowing this type of behavior to go unaddressed in faculty and students, and we have to question why they felt comfortable to take these actions at the time in this environment. 
In regards to institutional discrimination in the faculty, administration, and board of directors, there is a woeful underrepresentation of both Black people and other people of color. Without Black voices placed in positions of leadership and instruction, decisions will continue to be made that will make Covenant not only complicit in the perpetuation of interpersonal and institutional racism, but that will drive Black students away. It's not a coincidence that there is both a lack of racial diversity on the team of people running the school and in the demographic makeup of the student body. I stand aligned with you in the urgent need to pray, lament, and seek the Lord's guidance. However, I urge you not to stop at prayer, as you've said in your statement, and lead Covenant College to a new chapter of acknowledging, owning, and making tangible changes to the systemic composition of the school's leadership so that we might see true racial reconciliation enacted. In order to listen to our Black brothers and sisters as you have challenged, we need their voices to be amplified. While I I have authored this letter. The alumni that have signed below join me in asking you to immediately seek to make the following changes. 1. Compile and release the racial composition of the board of directors, faculty, staff, and student body, making it readily accessible to all. 2. Commit to intentional diversity in, a, in hiring and board appointments from now going forward. Don't just stop at a few diversity hires or hire people of color for token positions, but truly assess where minority voices are missing and make intentional changes. Three, facilitate conversations and training amongst leadership, faculty, and the student body about allyship. In order to make Covenant a desirable place to work or pursue higher education for Black people and other people of color, they must see and believe that their white counterparts stand with them in opposing racial injustice and are willing to do the continual work of anti-racism. I believe that there is a way forward for Covenant to be a powerful example of ownership of our past and humble leader in gospel-centered, intentional racial reconciliation. But now is the time to follow prayer with action, however uncomfortable those first steps may be. With prayer and gratitude, Kate Myers Magahi, Covenant College, Class of 2013. This letter that Kate wrote is one that was actually signed by 482 former Covenant grads, all ranging across several different (laughs) years and decades. And I've actually gone through all of my emails to locate the response and the update that was distributed by the current president of Covenant. Um, And... I cannot find it. I'm on a mission to actually locate it and would love to be able to share kind of some tidbits from that as well, um, just to be completely, I guess, fair to both sides um, and both parties involved. But for the sake of our dialogue today, just something we can, I suppose, just leave to the imagination. And so here's what Kate and I had to say about it. But I'm curious about what your thoughts were on the like the email that was sent out, I think it was, I mean, I don't remember when it was, but it was after that email that you had sent me about the group that was signing that letter um, that I think went to, I'm assuming like all current students and alumni, I don't know, um, but about their efforts and things like that. Like, what were your thoughts on that? I think that he addressed a lot of the things that were in that letter. uh, And there was some responses from the board to that letter that we wrote or that we signed. 
of board members that were like, we are doing this stuff. It just isn't as, as apparent, I guess. I think my only thought was, why did it take us having to draft a response for there to be a response, like a draft a letter for there to be a response? Why was it not an immediate? I mean, it was very clear. And if you're a president or you're a leader in, in a college, you hear that like all the other colleges are responding to this. Why as a group of leaders, was this not an a group of leaders supported by churches, was this not a priority in the sense that like we as alumni felt it? So I, I just think what the timing, like why didn't it happen before? Why did it take us sending letters for there to be a response? Yeah. What was your thought? Do you want to? I, okay. So I will say that email was quite long. Yeah. <laughs> And I read it once and I haven't read it since because I was kind of just like, it kind of just felt like too much was said. The reason why I say that is because I feel like if those things are actually happening, actions speak louder than words. And so when you have to detail every little thing that you're doing. It just sounds like a justification. It's like, it's like in relationships or in marriage, right? Where you're like, I don't feel like you care about me because of X, Y, Z. And you like say whatever it is that's led you to conclude that you don't feel loved or cared for. And that person literally gets out a list and they're like, well, I did X, Y, Z. Like, why don't you feel like I loved you? I felt I folded your laundry. And you're like, the issue is that that's not something that makes me feel loved. And, and ultimately I think the disconnect was like, none of us had seen the fruits of that labor. And I think some of it was helpful context, like you were saying to know, Um, that as people who are more removed from that, and I'm probably way more removed from it than you are. It sounds like just because of your family's connection. I also admittedly for better, for worse, like unsubscribed from literally everything that they were ever sending me. (laughs) So I was actually shocked to get that email. I was like, how did I get on this list again? (laughs) Um, I I didn't have like any really negative thoughts about it. I just kind of was like, okay, yeah, we'll see if there's anything that actually backs us up, you know, in the future. So my hope is to find that letter and eventually share it with you someday. Perhaps I'll get a chance to connect with the author of the original letter that I just shared. And maybe this just reminds you of a time that you drummed up votes, signatures, and support for something that you observed that you wanted to speak up about. If this episode reminds you of something that you want to share, visit warmlypod.com slash my story or shoot me a message at hello at warmlypod.com. Talk to you soon. That's it for today. Thanks for tagging along. In case you forgot, I'm your host, Kaya. And this, of course, is Warmly. If you haven't already, share this episode or any episode that touched you with a friend. And if you'd like to hear more from us here at Warmly, visit warmlypod.com slash subscribe to get our newsletter. Special thanks go to the artist who wrote Warmly's very own one-of-a-kind theme music, A Day Without Love. To learn more or listen, visit adaywithoutlove.com. You can find their stuff on Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, and anywhere else you could possibly want. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Wormly on Apple Podcasts.